Amen. Good, good songs, good organization. Brother Pickett is such a on-the-spot kind of guy. He said, I quote, I'm going to kill my wife one of these days. I quote, I'd like to see that. I'm afraid there would be murder, but it would be in the other direction. You know, it's difficult being perfect in an imperfect world. So if you are expecting perfection here, please come to the next service. It didn't happen today. And it probably won't happen next week either. And we're not too worried about that. What we're concerned about here is that God gets the glory. You got that? That the Lord Jesus might receive honor and glory from our attempt and our efforts to be what he would have us to be. In John chapter number 15, as we study through the book of John, I've enjoyed the, the study immensely, if you please. I've learned more than probably you have, but I have enjoyed the trip. The context in which we are going to read, our Lord has been in the upper room with his disciples, preparing them for his departure from the earth. He has spent chapter 13 and 14 in the upper room. We have spent several weeks in the upper room with him. I think I preached seven or eight messages out of 13 and 14. Now, the context, Jesus and the disciples has left the upper room. They're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Of course, you know that's where Judas and his crowd comes in and takes the Lord to Pilate's hall. But in their journey from the upper room to uh, Gethsemane, Jesus still has some things he would like to leave his disciples. He said in chapter 15 in verse 1 preceding that, I am the true vine, you're the branches. And he goes down to verse about number 8 and he says, If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask what you will. But without me, you can do nothing. Now, he's telling the disciples, I'm about to leave. And there's a big temptation to try to do it on your own. You know, forget to pray. Don't have time for your Bible. Don't have time for church. There's a temptation that you'll try to do my service on your own. But Jesus told his disciples, except you abide in me and I abide in you, you cannot bear fruit. And God is glorified by us bearing fruit. Remember, I entitled that sermon, 21st Century Sap Suckers. A lot of vines are plugged into the true vine But they don't bear any fruit. All they do is just look good. God is not looking for good lookers. He's looking for fruit. Herein is my Father glorified 
It ain't time to pray, and I'm not even preaching yet. Look up here. Herein is my Father glorified. Not that you go to church. Not that you get a good haircut. Not that you dress in a suit. My Father is glorified if you bear much fruit. The vine, the branch, connected for a reason. That the branch might draw the fruit, given substance from the vine, and bear fruit. That's what you're for. The fruit is not up to you. The fruit is up to the vine. All you do is just get to bear it. Isn't that a blessing? You say, boy, that's not very important. You're right. He's important. We're just branches plugged into the true vine for the sole purpose of bearing fruit. Now, that's what he told them in chapter 15 down through about verse number 16 or 17. Now, don't forget, he's on his way to Calvary. Twelve hours from now, or maybe eight hours from now, he's going to be crucified He's going to go to Pilate's Hall and be mocked, ridiculed, persecuted, slapped, banged, crowned with the thorns, mocked, stripped of his garments, standing there. He who is the author of all morality is stripped there, embarrassed for all the gaping world to look upon his naked body. And they crown him with a crown of thorns and put a purple robe on him and mock him. And finally, they lay him down on the cross and drive the nails in his hands and his feet for each one of us. He knows what's going to happen eight hours from now. So he tells the disciples, I got another little message for you. You want to see why it is today? I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, what the world think of you guys. I'm just going to leave this with you. Because some of you have a love affair with the world. Some of you folks have fallen in love with the world and the things it has to offer. I just want to tell you, Jesus said, I just want to tell you what the world thinks of you. I begin reading in John 15, and I will begin reading, if it would please, in verse 18. You say, how long are you want to preach? Well, till all of you go to sleep and then wake up again. Because I'd hate to dismiss and you'll sleep and us leave you here because the computers turn the air off soon as we leave. <laughs> Verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You want me to tell you what the world thinks of you? I get it from a 
pretty reliable source that the world system out there don't like you very much. The world system out there, according, now please don't get mad at me. I'm just read what Jesus said. According to our Lord, there's nothing in the world you can do in the world to make the world love you. You say, I didn't come to church for that. Uh, If I'd have told you, you probably wouldn't have come. So I thought I'd just wait till you got here to tell you this. The world don't think you smell too good. The world hates you. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. You know the why the world hates you? Because they hate your Savior. Isn't it amazing that every other religion in the world is accepted in America except yours? Isn't it amazing we can talk about Buddha, we can talk about Muhammad, we can talk about everybody in the world in our school system, but you keep your mouth shut about that guy called Jesus. Every other religion in the world is accepted in this multicultural society, in this pluralism society, in a society that preaches tolerance. Isn't it amazing? They're tolerant with all of them except us. Can I please tell you what the world thinks of you? They hate you. The world hates you. You say, well, preacher, I'm doing everything I can to get it to love me. I said, preacher, we're doing everything I can to make it love me. I'm giving the world all of my strength. I'm giving the world all of my talents. I'm giving the world all of my finances. I'm even giving the world my kids. Why don't the world love me? It's really not you they don't like. It's your God they do not like. Are we having fun yet? Well, let's read on because this is a real good book. Don't you think this is a good book? Hey, this book is reliable, folks. When all of your other motor manuals and how to fix it manuals and how to get peace manuals and how to get harmony in the home manuals, when all of those other manuals are gone, this one will still be here. Let's read on. You say, preacher, 
Are you going to make a series out of this message? Probably. But all things that they do unto you for my name's sake, verse 21, because they knew not him that sent me. Well, if they don't like Jesus because they didn't like God, so the essence gets back is they don't like my and your triune God. And they did not like God, so they did not accept Jesus. And they don't like Jesus, so they're not going to like you. You said, but if, if I'd have known all that, I wouldn't have got saved. If you think like that, you probably didn't. You say, this is a Sunday night message. Well, it might be long enough. You come back tonight, I finish it. We need to know something. Uh, we need to realize when we fall in love with this stinking world and we give in to this world's pressure that is continually pushing on us, God is disturbed when we do this. You say, well, I'm going to find me another church that don't preach like this. God will still be disturbed. And every one of us shall give an account of ourselves to God. The Bible says, verse 23, He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. When they saw Jesus... And the works of God, they realized how good he was and how bad they were. And now the measuring standard has changed when Jesus came. Now you do not measure up to Moses' law anymore. Now the measuring standard is Jesus. And Jesus said, if I had not have come, they would still be happy trying to fulfill the law, postpone their sins uh, each year. But now that I'm come, they have no excuse. Let's go on. Verse 25. And this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that it's written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Our Father today, quicken my thoughts, expedite the principles and the truths that would be taught. Help me not to labor and, and help me not to be so lengthy that uh, folks do not get the principle that is set forth here today. I believe, Lord, and I believe you've shown me that the thing that is crippling the church of the Lord Jesus and the thing that is bringing reproach and shame to our Lord. It's this thing. 
of falling in love with the world. Help us today, dear God, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Farewell message of our Lord to his disciples. And seems like he's changed the emphasis now. Boy, wasn't it nice whenever he was talking about our father's house. Wasn't it nice? Uh, the bewildered and afraid and, and worried and, and frightened disciples were anxious and fearful. And Jesus looked at them and said, fellas, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. <laughs> and here's the kicker in my father's house are many mansions. Man, isn't that encouraging? That is wonderful that he would do that. I can use that at a funeral, and I've used it over and over these 40-some, 46-plus years. I've used it at funerals time and time again. But I've never used verse number uh, 15 or 18. I've never used the verses I read this morning at a funeral. I should have. (laughs) Because the funeral service is for those that her left, not that one that just left. And they want everybody to eulogize this guy. And when this guy probably don't deserve eulogizing and you ought to preach, hey, this world hates your guts. Now, when you leave this service today, I want you to know when you go out there into this world, and we're not talking about God's creation. We're not talking about what God did when he spoke everything into existence. And then he looked at it in Genesis chapter 1 and said, this is very good. Man, you cannot but look at the stars and look at the sky and look at God's creation and say, it's good. So we're not talking about God's created world. We're not talking about uh, the earth. We're not talking about, we're talking about a system. Got that? A system in this world. A system. Uh, May I help you a little bit? Let me, this is my definition of worldness. Let me tell you what this world offers. Take this book out of the way. Dismiss the church. And what you got left is humanistic philosophy. Education. Your mama's daddy was a tadpole. Try that out and tell your mother-in-law, did you know? You kind of favor your kinfolk. <laughs> Humanistic philosophy without the standard and without the truth of God and without this book, we're just another animal in this world destined to a graveyard. And with that idea and with that philosophy, why shouldn't we eat, drink, and be merry and tell everybody else they can go to you know where we're going to live it up These short years we have humanistic philosophy. That's what this world has without this. Humanistic philosophy degrades and then turns into materialistic pursuits. When the Bible's talking about world and worldliness, it's not talking about what God has created. It's talking about what the devil is pushing in this old world. The prince and power of this world, the God of this world, Satan himself, he is pushing humanistic philosophy, communism, socialism, capitalism, everything's all right. Be a conservative, just don't be saved. And when it talks about the world, 
It's talking about what people in the world who are not saved think and are pursuing. I wonder if there's any Baptist here today that professes to be saved has worried more this week about money, buildings, and business than their walk with the Lord Jesus. Humanistic philosophy. I can handle it. I can do it. I'm a self-made man. Look at me. Wow, Uzi. Ain't I great? I don't have to answer to anybody. I'm my own God. I can change the rules as I go along. I can do anything I want to. I don't have to answer to God because there's no God. There's just no judgment. I am it. And I'm going to make a good run at it. Humanistic. Secular humanism. That's been taught in all of your public schools. Secular humanism. God is not dead. He's never been. Secular humanism. And why shouldn't secular humanism produce materialistic creatures that puts more faith in their junk than they do Jesus. Give me some junk. That'll make me happy. The more junk I get, the happier I'll be. Happy, 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 happy. Give me 15 minutes of happiness and you can take care of religion and go to you know where. Just give me 15 minutes of happy. How much junk... Does it take to please a junkie? Visitors, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the members of Joshua Baptist Church. But now some of it spills over in your lap. Just go ahead and take it home if you'd like. It's free. A bigger house. A faster car. A better set of golf clubs. A bigger boat, a better dog. Junkies. And when the world's got all your money, and you're up to your neck in debt, and you and your wife won't talk to one another because you don't know who's got the credit card, and your relationship is gone. And your little kids are standing there with tears in their eyes, wondering which one they're going to spend the rest of their life with. And the world and the devil are sitting laughing at you and saying to you, you thought I was in love with you when the Lord said, I hate you. I'm out to ruin you. I'm out to rape you. I'm out to rob you. You want know what the world thinks of you? The world hates you. Humanistic philosophies digresses into materialistic pursuits, and that digresses into heathenistic passions. Let everything go. No God to answer to. No morality. Partner changing. Homosexuality. 
pedophile. On and on. You take this out. Come on. I thought this is a Baptist church. Baptist church is supposed to say amen sometime, even if you don't agree with it. You say, well, I'm not saying sick and do you standing in my front yard. This is not to hurt. This is not to uh, shame. This is to warn. This is Jesus is telling the disciples, guys, it's not going to be a cakewalk living for me. This world is not a playground for Christians. It's a battleground for Christians. And you'll have to fight every day of your life to keep the flesh from becoming worldly. You say, you planned this sermon for me being here. I didn't, but I bet I know who did. Can you imagine... When Jesus speaks of the world, he's speaking of a system of ideals and activities. And may I say to you, as long as you're in this world, if you're a Christian, if God's Holy Spirit has moved into your life, and he does when we accept Christ, if you have God's Holy Spirit in your heart, you still have the old Adamic nature that you got when you were born. And now you have two natures inside of you. One declaring and saying, I want to do good. The other one saying, I want to do bad. You say, preacher, which one of them bulldogs is winning? Just say ever which one you say sick them to. Now please listen, if you would please. Jesus tells the disciples and Starts talking to them about a world, cosmos, system, how people think, what people pursue, how they can digress morally. And then the same author, John, in 1 John chapter 1, warns us about the same thing. See, now... This is not written to the disciples. This is by one of the disciples. This is written by one of the disciples whom they threw in a boiling pot or calderon of oil. And miraculously, somehow or another, this fella, John, Escape that, and Domitian exiled him to an island there around the Mediterranean seacoast called Patmos. And it was at Patmos where John received the revelation in chapter in the last book of your Bible. And he writes for us an authority. He writes for us in John chapter number 2, 1 John Chapter number two. Please now let me look at this. Now John must have been listening intently that day when Jesus said, Now fellas, if the world hate you, you ought to remember it hated me before it hated you. And the only reason the world hates you is because of me. Because they hated me before they hated you. 
And the only reason they didn't accept me is they did not accept my father, which sent me. So they hated him. And because of that, they hate me. And because of that, they hate you. Look at verse number 15. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Please don't get mad at me. I didn't write that. I just read it. Would I be safe in saying, and I'm watching the clock, but I just can't see it because the TV lights are so bright. Would I be safe to saying that there's a lot of Christians involved in an illicit love affair? Would I be safe in saying that the thing that's keeping you from coming to Christ is your love for the world? Could I say tonight that many of you won't be in church tonight because the world has persuaded you you don't need it? Are you too tired? Our Sunday is your only day off. By the way, that's the way God planned it. He said six days man should work. Not 40 hours. And then waste the rest of the time prostituting yourself to a world that hates your guts. Love not the world, the Bible said. Did the Bible say love not the world? You know what people get mad at me for? Preaching against worldliness. You know what folks swell up like a toad frog or hand in their head and hand and say, well, I'm leaving because the preacher just too plain and don't love anybody. And everybody likes me to say, I'm sorry for doing what God wants me to do. Now, if you don't want the truth, there's some of them tiptoe through the tulip church around town. You can go. They'll tell you what a good job you're doing and how much you are loved in this world. But my Bible said, and that's the only one I use, my Bible says, love not the world, neither the things in the world, or if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here's your system. Here's what the Lord's talking about when he's talking about worldliness. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's the system that Jesus is talking about. Notice he says now, he gives us a good warning. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Could I please talk to you for just a minute? And by the way, I'm not out of the introduction yet, but I'm getting there. 
Could I talk to you about the pressures of this old world? Preacher, I need to get away. The pressure's killing me. I need a, what do they call it? A sabbatical. I need to leave the pulpit for a, a, a month or so because the pressure is tremendous. Well, now, if you looked at what is looking at me, you'd see why we need sabbaticals. <laughs> Pressure. Let me talk to you first of all. It says all that in the world is, number one, lust of the flesh. Physical pressures. The flesh says, feed me. The flesh says, entertain me. The flesh says, tease me. The flesh says, play me. The flesh says, I won't. The flesh says, I don't care what anybody else wants. I won't. The flesh says, I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. The flesh says, I want to drink it. The Bible says, don't. The flesh says, take a hike. The flesh says, I want to run around with somebody else's mate because I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't feed me. Keep me happy, flesh. Exercise me. Come here, Jim, get me up. Keeping me in shape. Yeah, doing flopping jacks and jumping jennies and having a heart attack, trotting. Have you ever seen how some of these old folks jog? <laughs> Dear God, just stay home and watch television. There's more exercise than that. <laughs> Gyms and exercise equipment. Is making a big business keeping your flesh pretty. Flesh says, make me bigger. Won't be long till it says, keep me up. Flesh says, keep this up. No way. These keep this up. <laughs> Flesh. Flesh. Pressure. The flesh puts pressure on us every day. We get up and the Bible and God says, spend some time in my word. And flesh says, I don't have time. I got to get to work. The spirit of God says, Call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. And flesh says, I don't need anything. I've been to the gym. Do you know any folks who have drifted off into worldliness? Love not the world. Neither the things in the world. Any man that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. 
We have anybody here today having any arguments with the flesh? If you're trying to please Jesus, you're having a struggle from daylight till dark. But if you've given in to the world and fell in love with the world, it won't be long till you start missing a little church. And it'll be the preacher's fault because he preaches too long. Either that or he's too old now. I liked him when he was younger. Well, you know I had folks leave because I wasn't old enough? Now I got them leaving because I'm too old. They left when I had a lot of hair. Now they're leaving because I don't have any hair. You know why they leave? They fall in love. With somebody else besides Jesus. I like athletics. I'm as outdoorsy as anybody. I have as much fun as anybody. Somebody asked me the other night, Preacher, do you still go coon hunting? I said, just when it gets dark. I, 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 I enjoy myself. You can come with me, run around with me if you'd like. There's nobody has any more fun than I do. No one enjoys life any more than I do. But 46 years ago when I got saved, God gave me a brand new water. I don't understand it, honest. But I knelt at my couch, a hell-raising, fighting, coon-hunting, chicken-fighting, betting, gambling, drinking, sopped, and stood up a saint of God. And what used to look good to me does not look good to me today. And I was a sorry husband, but ask my wife. No, don't ask my wife. I don't just keep it going that way. You're going to have pressure. Jesus knew these guys were going to have pressure. Flesh pressure. Lust pressure. Not only did they have to deal with physical pressure, they had to deal with mental pressure, lust of the eyes. What's Hollywood trying to get? What's Wall Street trying to attract? What's Hollywood trying to reach? Your eyes. The eye. The eye. Is the window to the soul. You watch it. Won't be long till you think it. Won't be long till you do it. And I guarantee Hollywood slipped just enough illicit ugliness. And you'll be watching it. Trying to keep your eyes right. Trying to keep your heart right. Bang, there it is. And it does not go away. It's indelibly impressed upon your mind. The lust of the eye. You ever heard of Kmart blue light special? Oh, look at that. (laughs) They're selling toothpicks. Hurry, go get them. 
Come on now. Have you ever noticed all the women in the old westerns? Now, I was raised in the country. We rode horses and had steel wheel wagons and plowed with horses. But I didn't see any of them girls following the horses that I was running with. And none of them women in Tennessee had any teeth. If Hollywood would use the women that I was raised with, we'd have no trouble with this. Come on, Terry, say amen. You had to come to Texas to find a wife. There wasn't any in Louisiana and Arkansas. You know that. Lesser the eye. You got pressure. These kids, listen, these kids got pressure. They've got capabilities in their hand right today with that cell phone. That when I was their age, I could not buy what they're watching every day. In Tijuana, Mexico, behind the counter. And what I had to buy was in a, between a book leaf. Because it was so ugly and degraded and looked down upon. It was vile and ugly and wicked. They can see it at a touch. And we have in this service today men who are hooked on eyes. Ugly ungodly pornography and they've given in to that stuff and now they love the world more than they love Jesus. What time is it? Oh, I got to quit. Wrong time to say amen. (laughs) Wrong time to say amen. Fella, if you treated your wife with the same devotion that you're treating Christ, would she cook dinner for you tonight? We sing songs, oh, how I love Jesus until Sunday night. Because it's a good TV program on tonight. Eyes. Pressure pushing on us all the time. You ever heard of the Super Bowl? Any pressure on Super Bowl to miss church? When the Mavericks played, do you know that we had a service on Sunday night and we had church members throw a party at their house, invite church members for a Maverick party? And they sung, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Dirk. Come on now. We just getting down where the road uh, rubber meets the road. Eyes. You got pressure, flesh. You got pressure, eyes. Then the pride of life. Spiritual pressures. I can do it. Pride. Look at me. Pride. We'll do everything to get people to look at us. You ever seen any teenagers with any weird looking hairdos? <laughs> they don't do that, folk. 
They don't do that to look good. I hope. If they do, they fail immensely. Right? We do everything in the world. When I was a kid, I was, I was a, a five foot, half inch tall when I was 16. Stand sideways, stick my tongue out, I look like a zipper. Pimples on my face. When hair was supposed to be straight, mine was kinky. When it was supposed to be kinky, mine was gone. <laughs> Embarrassed. An introvert, so embarrassed, have to slip open a mirror to comb my hair. I did not know how to be popular other than having the best-looking car in Wilmington, California. If you have enough junk that everybody else likes, they'll like you. So I bought a 57 Pontiac brand new. And took it to Barris, the guy who made the first Batmobile. And took it to Mr. Barris, the customizer of all the time. Drove my brand new 57 Pontiac in his place. And I said, paint it. And I left. Go show you how stupid I am. I came back and my Pontiac was five different colors of purple. The first of its kind. I came to Tennessee in 58, coming through New Mexico. That's before they had the interstates, by the way. That's before some of you was ever here. Coming through the big cities on Saturday afternoon, that Pontiac stopped traffic because there were so many people out in the street in the highway Looking at that Pontiac. Mine. You want my autograph? Mine. Pride. Look at me. Look what I've done. I'm going to accomplish this if I have to get out of church. I don't care nothing about my kids. They can do the best they can. They'll get along all right. But this I must do. Pressure. Pressure. Can I close with this verse? Demas hath forsaken me. That's what Paul said. Demas hath forsaken me. Jim, can you think of any demases? They say it's my fault. They say I said something they didn't like. They say I hurt them. They said I don't care about them. They say I'm arrogant. They say, they say, they say, they say. I want to talk to Paul a minute. Would that be all right? Paul, you sit down right here. Sit down. Why did Demas leave you? What did you do to make Demas leave you? Did you work him too hard? Did you preach too straight for him? Did you talk about tithing? And he got mad. Paul, what did you do to make Demas leave you? Rest of the verse. Demas hath forsaken me because... He hath loved 
this present world. You fall in love with Jesus, or you fall in love with the world, you'll be gone pretty soon. You can blame me if you want to. These are big shoulders. But every one of us shall give an account to God for himself. I have problem in the area that I've preached to you today. It's a daily, hour by hour struggle. I know a lot of people I would like to whip. But all I can do now is like. Because I'm 72 and I can't whoop them. But I'm saved. I'm saved. And I can't do what the flesh says today. If you're going down the road and somebody cuts you off. Do you ever wave at them? Folk, this thing of Christianity is a battlefield, not a playground. God's nature is in here. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He has overcome the world. I'll finish the message this evening. I'll talk to you tonight about what should we expect from the world. Tonight, I'll talk to you about what the world expects from us. Tonight, I'll talk to you about what Christ expects from us in the world. Father, today, I know that the outcome of today's service is not dependent upon me. But, Lord, it's dependent upon you and your leadership and the convicting and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the life of God's people. 